friends, and welcome to an episode of At the Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. I'm your host, Jackie King, and I am so excited that you're joining me today to discuss women and leadership in the SBC. Before we get started, I want to send a special thanks to our sponsors over at CSB. They recently just released the Encourage Bible, because you know what? Life as a woman can get pretty messy. The CSB Encouraged Devotional Bible helps you find God in the really messy. It invites every woman to find her story within the greatest story ever told, God's story of redemption. So after you listen today, maybe hop online or head over to your local Lifeway and check out this new, beautiful Bible. Okay, now to my guest, I am so excited to invite on Karen Swallow Pryor. Karen Swallow Pryor is Professor of English at Liberty University research fellow with the Ethics of Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, and a member of the Faith Advisory Council of the Humane Society of the United States. She is the author of On Reading Well, Finding the Good Life in Great Books, Booked, Literature in the Soul of Me, and Fierce Convictions, The Extraordinary Life of Hannah Moore, Poet, Reformer, and Abolitionist. Karen, I am so excited that you're joining us today. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Jackie. Exciting to be here. So glad you're here. So how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get involved in the SBC? Uh, Just a little bit about you. Sure. Um, Well, I was raised, born and raised in the Northeast and spent most of my growing up and young adult years in Baptist churches. Um, In the Northeast, they tended not to be Southern Baptist churches, um, and uh, they tended to be, well, at least where I grew up in small rural areas, um, I attended, you know, independent Baptist Bible type churches, um, married in one, and then uh, 20 years ago, when my husband and I moved to the South, um, we were pretty firmly Baptist by that time, Um, but of course there are lots of different kinds of Baptists, and so when we moved here, we just decided that we were just going to look for a Southern Baptist church because we knew, you know, that we would be in agreement with the doctrine and, you know, the social and political um, stances, and so um, we, actually we just looked in the in the phone book there used to be phone books with yellow pages <laughs> looked under southern baptist churches and we didn't want to spend a lot of time um you know shopping around or whatever and so we were fortunate enough to find one right away that we attended for about 15 years um before this older city congregation um began to die away and um and that it did eventually close, but we now have been for uh, the past four or five years members at Thomas Road Baptist Church. Very cool, very cool. So talk a little bit about how did you land at Liberty and just your career path there? Yeah, well, I, um, you know, it it was all very serendipitous (laughs) or providential, uh, a little of both. I mean, I, I majored in English in college simply because I loved literature and I loved reading. I didn't even necessarily aspire to be a writer. I, I enjoyed writing, but it was really more about the literature and the reading. And and I knew that I did not want to teach. <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do when I finished my, my bachelor's degree in English. And so I decided to just go to graduate school and I got accepted into a PhD program at my state university. And 
that's where I discovered that all of the other grad students were teaching and I thought I would try my hand at it and I from the first day that I started teaching as a grad assistant I knew that that was what God had created me to do um, and so I you know finished that degree after many years as it often takes and um, when I applied to go on the job market um, Liberty was one of the places that advertised for an English professor and um, back then as now these kinds of positions can be hard to get because higher education is changing so much and, and especially because the humanities are, are shrinking, they have been. Um, and I applied a number of places and um, it just, the, the Liberty was just a great fit and it went fast, we moved down here uh, and that was, well, 20 years ago this summer. So I'm just finishing, wow. yeah, I'm finishing up my 19th year. We'll start the 20th year in the fall. Um, it's been a great party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> I'll put in a memo for that. Okay. <laughs> um, so you've probably seen just a ton change, even within the 20 years of teaching in academia and uh, it being a conservative Baptist school. Um, what has been maybe some of the bigger shifts that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I, th so much has changed, um, you know, obviously here at Liberty, which is growing all the time. Um, but I, I do think, you know, Liberty is so interesting because I think it is a good snapshot of, uh, of American evangelicalism in so many ways. And so some of the changes that I've seen are, are both good and bad. So, for example, I think, you know, Liberty has moved away from being a more separatist kind of fundamentalist um, institution in its identity. So that, you know, I, rem I remember when, before I came here, uh, one of the kids that uh, my husband and I had in Sunday school attended here and he ended up getting kicked out because he's got too many demerits listening to rock music. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, secular music and, and, and when I first came the guys had to wear ties to class and the girls had to wear dresses and skirts and all of those things are, are gone as I think they should be um, because I think sometimes they, they, they present artificial markers between Christians and the world. Um, but on the other hand, there are some other distinctives and markers that should exist between believers and the world that I think are also getting blurrier. I mean, not just at Liberty, obviously, but in, in the culture. Um, I think young people are reacting to those former decades of legalism and fundamentalism and kind of swinging um, in an opposite direction. Um, and, you know, so th that means, that just simply means that our call is a little bit different um, that right now than it was before. And it's, it's always a challenge. So as changes come, we have to shift and adapt. And that's, you know, what I'm doing. Well, I think you just had one of those consistent voices throughout the years of just women in evangelicalism. And, you know, you're coming up on a year anniversary of something that pretty much turned your world upside down. So can you tell us a little bit just about the accident that you had and what it was like to walk through that? Yeah, it, it, it's hard to believe that it is coming up on a year. It was um, pretty soon. It was... Um, 
May 23rd last year, a day in which actually a number of things happened in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and there was a lot going on. Um, and it, it actually was a day, um, I, was, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was there to attend uh, a small conference of evangelical women uh, meeting up specifically about the state of women in the church. And um, I came in a little bit early and I actually had a meeting at Lifeway. And I was walking from my hotel to my meeting because it was supposed to be you know, a short walk. I had checked ahead of time and I ended up getting lost and turned around and I decided that I needed to, in order to make my meeting, get, go back to my hotel and just get a cab. And on my way back, um, I stepped into an intersection and did not see the bus until it was hitting me. And uh, so I got literally hit by a bus and um, spent eight days in Vanderbilt Hospital with um, uh, collapsed lungs, fractured shoulder, fractured spine, fractured ribs, and a fractured pelvis and a head wound. Um, and yet, as bad as that sounds and as bad as it was, it could have been so much worse. My overwhelming sense from the moment it happened until now is of God protecting me in a powerful and miraculous and amazing way and people all around the country and in the church and praying for me and it's just it's the, the most overwhelming presence of God I think that I've ever felt in my life which may sound weird <laughs> because it no. was awful but um, it was yeah it was it was it's still a weird it's I still can't believe that it happened well, it's not something that you plan for, absolutely. Um, but I remember even just that day of just being on Twitter and just post after post after post where people asking to pray for you and lift you up. And your husband wasn't with you, you know. I mean, you were all alone kind of in Nashville. So I think there's just a snapshot, and I think we tend to look at our leaders as kind of on this pedestal, you know, and that um, they get to go and change the world. And then that day for you it was just one of these goodness like the darkness hit you and you had to wrestle through something with all of these people praying for you but not only watching mm -hmm. so what did that wrestle look like like how how were you able to kind of heal and work through just a lot of the normal everyday things that I think became so easy and maybe even taken for granted and then all of a sudden it was taken away what kind of mm -hmm. wrestle was that with the Lord what did that look like yeah well you know it's it's so interesting because as you said as as leaders as as kind of public voices um, we are really vulnerable mm -hmm. and we often think of those vulnerabilities in in more uh, intangible ways, um, emotional, spiritual, and so forth, and, and those are part of the reality, but this getting hit by a bus, it was like, I mean, it really, not to, I don't want to over-interpret it or whatever, but um, it, it just, it, it was like what the Old Testament prophets did, like, when they, they, they would just physically bear the symbols of the spiritual reality. And it's not that I chose to do this, but it's like God 
took what I'm doing in, in speaking up for, for women and speaking against abuse and, and made it physical, made it tangible and material in this really um, awful, in sort of the real sense of that word, like awe-inspiring and awful way. Um, and it made me um, see the risks that I was taking and that we're all taking uh, when we speak out, when we um, just try to, to serve and steward the opportunities that God gives us wherever we are well. I mean, there's always risk involved. There's always vulnerability involved. Um, and so I guess it just made me... Um, uh, realize, I, I mean, I, I always did in my head, but I just, I've always sensed, but now I just know that it's, it's all in the Lord's hands, and everything that, that I say and do with the opportunities that he gives me, I need to submit to him. It's all his will. If he wants me to continue, I will continue until he stops me. Um, and if he, you know, it, it's just, it's not just um, physically, I mean, not just spiritually, intellectually, and and on the internet, but even physically, our lives are in His hand. Our, our hands, our ministries, are in His hands. Um, and it was just a very visceral picture of that for me. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but um, no, you are. You these are. are some of the things I had to kind of work through. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest truths that I've learned, and I'm not old, um, you know, 34, but 34 years on the planet, these moments that are so hard and that you really have to wrestle through your identity and what that looks like in God and not other people and other voices, these wrestles are the very things that help to define us as we continue to walk forward. So what would you say has changed most after your accident as you walk forward? Um... Yeah, I mean, I obviously have had to undergo some um, physical uh, repair and healing and therapy, and um, I would say in some ways, um, you know, I, I'm at the other end of that. In some ways, I'm finding certain parts of me physically are are stronger, like I because I've had to be really intentional, more intentional than I was before about about exercise and and therapy. Um, yet there's also, so I'm stronger on the one hand, and yet there's still residual pain and weakness, and, you know, I'm, I don't know when, if ever that will go away. Um, and so, to me, again, that's another kind of physical lesson of spiritual and emotional realities, that um, we can be stronger, and yet we can, I mean, I, in, in some respects, nothing has changed. I'm, I'm back at school doing my job, I'm still speaking out um, and speaking for the SBC, um, and so what could have been an obstacle, I guess, I have determined to overcome, and yet I think there's also, as I said before, a greater awareness and humility of this in, in the sense that this is all, this really is in God's hands, and it needs to be of Him, um, and I need to just do what he calls me to do until he calls me to do otherwise. Yeah. I know that I have just personally been so challenged by your grit <laughs> <laughs> um, and even just in those beginning months and how 
you write, you know, and you <laughs> couldn't even write because it was so taxing and sitting and doing interviews and stuff like that. And so there was so much, I think, faithfulness and you choosing to push through the physical pain and even just the spiritual wrestle to keep going. And I saw that in you and I so appreciated that and was just challenged by it. And, and you kept going. You didn't give up when I think it would have been very easy on days to just kind of say you're done. <laughs> so yeah, I no, appreciate I you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So one of the things from the very beginning of you kind of coming on my radar was just your influence and how you have the SBC, you have news outlets coming at you, um, kind of getting your take on what is happening. Uh, the Me Too movement obviously is something that you have definitely spoken into. So I kind of want to unpack, especially for women that are in leadership and that are having to constantly decipher how do I push forward in this? When do I need to not say as much? So I really kind of want to get into your brain on mm. how do you approach these tough topics? How do you know when to, uh, you know, kind of say the hard things and say the truth that needs to be said, but then at the same time do it graciously and honorably? So can you kind of unpack that a little bit for me? Sure. That's a, that's a really good question that I constantly ask myself, too, every day. <laughs> when should I speak up and when should I not? And, um, you know, I... Um, and, and this may not, I'm not stating my experience as a prescriptive formula for anyone else to follow. All I can do is say, you know, how God has worked in my life and, um, and, and others, you know, if it's an example for others, then, then great. But, um, you know, I, I would, almost every door that I have gone through and this platform that I have slowly seen build underneath me for a number of years now has really has not really been of my choosing it wasn't of my vision um, it wasn't uh, you know something I pursued um, I was here at Liberty for a number of years teaching just beginning to get into writing working on my my first book and um, I was invited by Christianity Today to pitch stories for um, their women's blog at the time, Hermeneutics, and, and mm -hmm. I did that, and I, I wrote a lot for them. I worked hard at it and did good work, and, and, then, um, and then I was approached by an editor at The Atlantic and asked to pitch stories to them, and I did that, and I worked hard at it and so forth. And, and that was right around the time one of the first big articles I wrote for The Atlantic was um, an argument for getting married young. And uh, Russell Moore saw that back when he was dean at Southern. Uh, and so that's how the two of us connected. And then when he um, was appointed uh, to head the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and he relaunched the um, part of it that uh, with the research fellows, he invited me to be part of that. And so that's how I became even you know, more officially connected with the SBC as an institution. And so I say all that to say that, you know, God has opened doors and given me a platform. And then when things have come up, you know, political controversies um, and the Me Too and Church Too issues, I had a platform that I could use to speak out or not. And, and those were issues that actually... Um, haven't really personally affected me. I, I have been blessed to have been 
had entirely positive experiences with my pastors and in my churches, with the men in my life. Um, and I, I think that that's something that God can use because I think that there are women who have not had that experience who are not ready to speak or can't speak yet. And I don't want to speak for them, but there's, there's an ability that I have because it's not really that personal to me to, to risk far less than others right. might. And so I want to I use that gift that God has given me um, that ability to be able to just kind of speak up in, a, in an almost in an objective way like I can just objectively look at these issues and say this is this is wrong this is right this is um, you know my, my strongest spiritual gift is prophecy so I do tend to see things in those terms and I feel like that's a gift I'm obligated to steward well and that that is to to speak when others have have so much more to risk than I do and so, That's so powerful. yeah, and yeah, so I haven't always one. you know, one time I said to my husband, right in the midst of the of last year's Me Too stuff before the accident, I said, you know, I said, I don't go looking for trouble. And he said, oh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but I have been I have been approached by women who have been victims of sexual abuse in the church who were not able to speak up and who asked me to help them and speak for them. And so that's what I've done. And I hope I've done it well. I think so. I think you have. And I think you've stewarded those stories while still protecting them, you know. And one of the biggest things um, that I think I've learned in response to this is just listening well and then even telling them, I'm in your corner and I believe you and I hear you and I want better for you. Um, and I think you've done such a great job of being that voice and that platform. And I am also just challenged by how you said it's not something that you sought out. Um, I think that's definitely something that is a temptation to try to work your way up to a platform. And you, I think, beautifully just said it. You worked hard. You worked hard where you were mm -hmm, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. with the opportunities that you were given. And so I think that's also a challenging word to us, too, is just steward what you have well in the moment, and God will open those other doors. And, and hold on to our own dreams and visions loosely. I had... A vision for myself when I came to Liberty University 20 years ago I had a completely di different vision for what I would do here and what I would do with my academic training um, I had I never imagined any of this and so that's how partly how I know it was God, of God it is God because I had a different vision for myself um, and I just want to be faithful with what he wants to do with my gifts so you as a women leader in the SBC, I'm kind of curious, who are some of the main people that have really encouraged you and influenced you as you've become a leader? Well, again, I would, I would actually go back to um, my independent Baptist churches that I grew up in, and one in particular, um, the, the pastor who married my husband and me, um, who actually is a, is a graduate of, of, of Liberty um, from way, way back, um, he was someone who, uh, who just saw in me um, leadership and communication skills that I had no idea that I had. And he um, encouraged me and pushed me to take on leadership roles there in our, in our church and in our community. 
uh, when I was just uh, young and afraid, and I couldn't even, you know, this was a kind of church where you would stand up and give testimonies on Sunday night, and I couldn't even do that without shaking and quaking, if you can believe that. <laughs> um, but this dear pastor, um, just, and, and others around him, um, particularly in the pro-life movement that was just kind of developing at that time, they, they saw in me an ability to speak out and to lead. And again, I think part of it was because I didn't have a personal investment at that time in the issue. I, um, and uh, so I was able to speak, you know, with clarity and rationality and, you know, objectivity about abortion. And that, that just was sort of a training ground for me. Um, and then, um, so it, it was that pastor and other uh, pastors in our community who believed in me and, and, and created leadership spaces for me, even within pretty conservative um, theological spaces. Uh, and of course, my husband all these years um, has just been so my biggest support um, and just um, allowed me to use my gifts and to flourish wherever I am and um, and now is in more of a role of, you know, here I, I leave town a lot to travel and I have to spend a lot of time writing and um, he's just very supportive of that. Um, and so, you know, then, then becoming in these past several years um, more directly involved in the Southern Baptist Convention, um, certainly the leaders here at Liberty University have been very supportive. Um, Jonathan Falwell at Thomas Road Baptist Church and the other pastors there are extremely supportive. Um, and, you know, Russell Moore has been, you know, a, a great um, uh, support in allowing, uh, you know, my voice to be heard in more specifically within the Southern Baptist Convention as an institution. Um, and so I, you know, I, I'm very blessed to um, have had to have that kind of support, and uh, and I do want to say, with humility, even though it may not sound like it, um, it all goes back to um, you know, to years of preparation and training. Um, you know, I have I have I I have a PhD, and I've been at Liberty for years teaching. And I think sometimes people look at me and they don't realize how old I am. I'm 54 years old. Um, I have been teaching college for 30 years. I have been working hard and doing good work. And um, and it's only been in the past few years that, that that's become known publicly. And I actually look forward to a few years from now and maybe all that will fade away and I can go back to my quiet, <laughs> private life. Um, Your long run. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so we do need to hold our own goals and ambitions loosely, do good work, but really just just let God use the gifts that he's given us because he, he gave them to us for reasons that, that are beyond our own understanding and imaginations. I love that. I love that you're highlighting our brothers, you know, and our brothers play such an important role of ministry and that we are to do it together, not separate. And so I love just the testimony of those men that have affirmed your gifts and affirmed your role and given you a voice and encouraged that. I think that's such an important thing for all of us as female leaders. Um, and again, like you said before, that we do the work, that we do the hard things and that we just be faithful in the moment. And I love the hold loosely imagery there. I think that's so good. So to kind of wrap up, what would be some of the 
biggest, I guess, nuggets of truth that you would pass on to female leaders in the SBC? What would be kind of the charge that you would leave us with? You know, I think this is such an exciting time to be a woman in the SBC because um, there's a long legacy of faithfulness that we have among women. Um, yes. You know, and yet this that that the le that legacy is starting to bear fruit. Um, it's exciting because we are able to see the errors in the past and confront the mistakes that have been made and yet still see how important it is to be to be faithful to our doctrinal identity and beliefs and yet to to uphold those as as the the, re the reason for the improvements and and corrections that we need to make it's, it's not it's not either or and so this is a time where of refinement um, and it's hard in some respects but refinement is so much better than abandonment or bitterness or betrayal um, it's worth the fruit that it will bear and we at this moment I think are the ones who get to you know, we were going through the refinement, but I think we're also going to see the fruit that it bears. And I'm so excited about this leadership network because now women in the SBC are joining together and working together and supporting one another in ways that I've never seen before. Um, and so I just would say, join this community, listen to one another, learn, grow, be faithful through the hard times, and speak up. Don't be afraid to speak up. Um, in in the proper place and proper time, but God gave us voices, he gave us experiences and perspectives, and they are not to be silenced. Um, and I hope that we can all show one another how to use our voices in constructive, feminine, and edifying ways for the body. I love that. Man, what a way to wrap up this show. Uh, stay faithful and do the work and then use your voice. Um, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate your time all the way from Virginia on your spring break. <laughs> uh, so thank you for carving out time just to encourage us, to give us some wisdom. And we so appreciate you and praying for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me and for those prayers and support. Absolutely. Thank you so much.